Welcome to On Texas Football, Friday's Longhorn live stream. I'm Bobby Burton alongside Jerry Hamilton and Ian Boyd of InsideTexas.com. Thank you all for joining us. I uh, got several things going on today uh, that uh, we want to follow up on. Some news coming in yesterday. Uh, Reiner Swanson, a recruit that we had on the show earlier in the week, has changed his uh, decision timeline. I'm going to have Jerry talk about that. Uh, I reported earlier today on Inside Texas that Ryan Sanborn, the punter uh, from Stanford that uh, is a grad transfer, is on campus and participating in drills. Uh, Ian Boyd, I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, not only what Ryan Sanborn did at uh, uh, Stanford, but what he can do overall compared to what Texas got a, a year ago from Daniel uh, Trejo. Uh, and then we've got a number of recruiting issues going on here and there plus the Longhorns head uh, to Palo Alto uh, to play baseball against uh, the uh, Stanford Cardinal. Uh, we'll have that and more, as well as our weekly trivia question later today. Jerry, I want to start with you and talk to you about Reiner Swanson uh, and what the latest is on the tight end, uh, blue chip tight end out of Laguna Beach. Yeah, I uh, exchanged some messages with Reiner uh, Thursday, and he's definitely moved up his timeline, guys. When he left the visit, uh, when we interviewed him Saturday afternoon, he was talking about maybe visiting BYU in the fall. Well, I think he's ready for the process to be over. Um, so he is visiting Oregon this weekend. He's on his way there now. Then he goes straight from there to BYU, and then he leaves on the 14th for the family vacation that they're taking. And there was a chance he was going to commit before that vacation begins, but I think he's going to take his the two weeks and think about it and announce around the first week of first of July, second of July. Um, so it's down the three schools, and he kind of said that, and we wrote that inside Texas that A and M, Utah were on the peripheral, not really in the picture. It was down the three schools: uh, Texas, BYU, and Oregon. Uh, so he had a great official visit to Texas last week. Um, he he said that it was probably the best spot for him to go uh, to chase the dream of being an NFL tight end. Well, this weekend, Dan Lanning, Oregon staff, will get a chance to press that. And then he'll go to BYU right after that. And we'll see where the decision uh, ends up here at the 1st of July. I, I, Jerry, uh, the timing of that is somewhat surprising, right? Yeah. Because you and I talked to him both. Uh, he seemed pretty set in his ideas. All of a sudden, hey, I, I probably need to get this over with before the season starts, basically, right? Yep. Yeah, I mean, I I think uh, I think that's always an interesting because it happens so fast that you know I think the big thing though, Bobby, is it, one he wanted to get the BYU visit done and he wanted to have it out of the way his senior year, but also he's not one to string along A and M and Utah and the other schools, right? I mean, he's not that personality. Uh, if he's he's not going to carry this into the fall just to visit one school. Um, so I think really he knows, has a pretty good idea of what he wants to do. Um, and, and I'm not saying that's Texas, but I, I think he's got a pretty good idea of what he wants to do. And it's one of these three places. Gotcha. All right. Uh, one more thing. Uh, Ian, I, I want to talk to you about the Ryan Sanborn, the punter. I also want to encourage not, folks. Go ahead. Did you have something else, Ian? Yeah, one more on Reiner Swanson. Jerry, do you know the extent to which his plan to potentially take an LDS mission? Well, Bobby interviewed him about that, so I, I know he got into that. Bobby, what did he tell you? Yeah, he says he's going to play one year of college football, and then uh, he plans to take a two-year mission. Yeah. He realizes that that's unconventional, uh, but that's what his plans are currently. So, it you know, he might fill an immediate role for Texas 
in his first year than go on a mission, uh, Ian, is, is the uh, thought process. And, and guys, that I think that's from the Texas fans' perspective. That's why they uh, are all asking about BYU because Texas has signed other guys in the past that, that said they weren't going to take that mission immediately. Those kids did not end up going to BYU, so it'll be interesting to see what Reiner does. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, as I mentioned, please get your uh, questions in. We've got uh, a whole hour today. Uh, we've got uh, some news and notes that we're going to go. Uh, we're going to get to your questions starting at about 15 minutes after uh, we get through this first segment here. Uh, Ian, I want to talk to you about Ryan Sanborn, uh, the young man out of Stanford that is now on campus at Texas. Uh, your thoughts on him, compare him to Daniel Trejo, uh, and what Texas can expect this year from its punting game. Yeah, you know, I looked up the stats, and um, I also looked up Michael Dixon. It's just a kind of and Michael, and Michael Dickers from 2021, just to have a little bit of a, you know, something to compare it against. Sanborn's 2022 season and Danny Trejo's uh, 2022 season were ex- remarkably similar. Uh, Sanborn averaged 41.7 yards per punt. Trejo was 42. Trejo had 10 50-plus yard punts, which were 22% of his punts. Sanborn had nine, which made for 17.3% of his. Um, Trejo pinned 13 punts, or 28% of his punts inside the 20. Sanborn did it on 35% of his punts, which was 18. So uh, Sanborn, just from the stats, I think Jerry maybe has, has watched him a little more closely. He seems like he's maybe not quite got the leg of, Certainly Dixon and maybe not Dicker either, but he's pretty precise. And it sounds like he can offer Texas at least what they had last year from the machete. Um, Probably not, you know, like Ray guy, you know, caliber punting, but uh, a lot better than a lot better than what Isaac Pearson looks like he's ready to do at this point. Yeah, you know, I kind of went back and looked at some of his high school stuff because unless you really we've studied him and we haven't, I would be I would love to ask Ryan Sambon who, who he's cheering for this weekend in baseball, by the way. Um, it's a tough spot to be. Can't watch the game inside the facility. Um, he was the punting national champion in 2019 at Chris Saylor Kicking's Vegas competition. I did find that interesting. And, and in that competition, he averaged 45 yards with 4.5 hang time. So coming out of high school, um, he was rated among the top couple of punters in in the country in those kicking punting competitions with Sailor. So um, I thought that was interesting to start uh, going, kind of doing some research on him. But I think the one thing about it, he's going to be a consistent guy, and he's been a, he's a consistent guy who uh, he swung that leg a lot. So I, I I think that's a good place to be. In. Four straight years, obviously. He's a two-step punter, so you don't people don't have to worry. I think it's one of the first questions, is he a two- or three-step punter? Nowadays, if you're not a two-step punter, you don't have much of a chance. So uh, he's a quality two-step punter with four years' experience. You know, I'm looking at it right now. One of the things that I thought was interesting is, on as it relates to Texas, um, y'all, y'all need to help me with this. What did Daniel – what was Daniel Trejo's net average? His, his overall kick average was 42 but what was his net? Because Sanborn averaged 40.1, but his net was 39, which is pretty good. Yeah. Anything above 37 is generally considered pretty darn good. You Can we get that for folks so they have that, Ian, uh, as I keep going through here? Um, the other thing I want to talk about is the, the baseball game and uh, as well as 
another couple of uh, interesting notes. Jerry drops a, a nugget today on the Inside Texas message board about Nair Daniels. I thought that was a big one for uh, the Longhorns as well. Uh, but I want to start uh, and say thank you uh, to our sponsor of Friday's show, and that is Andy Ludicky of MyPerfectFranchise.net. Are you stuck in the corporate rat race with two weeks PTO and no control over the money you can make or your schedule in general? Call Andy. He will take you through a process to help find a business that will fit your skill sets and financial goals. Franchise ownership isn't for everyone, but if you have the desire to take control of your destiny, call or email Andy at Andy at MyPerfectFranchise.net, 404-973-9901. Longhorns go to Palo Alto this weekend. Uh, it is the uh, group that is trying to get to the College World Series for the third consecutive year under Coach David Pierce. Uh, Lucas Gordon, L um, uh, LeBaron Johnson going to take the hill for sure for Texas. They will have a rubber match on Monday if necessary, but it's best two out of three starting on uh, tomorrow afternoon in Palo Alto. All right. I found Trejo's net average 39.9, so he had a really good year. Yeah, he really did. Yeah. They're very, very similar. Their numbers are very close. Mm -hmm. Not, neither are elite, but both were consistent to, to what Jerry said earlier. Well, I think Texas takes that and says, yes, thank you. Perfect. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because yeah. they did not have punting problems last year. They will. There will not be another Michael Dixon like a will not have another Shane Leckler. So, I mean, te Texas fans have to kind of get past that. Yeah. Well, not with that attitude. <laughs> <laughs> Jerry, um, I want to add this one. Nair Daniels, a uh, young man out of uh, Bergen Catholic in New Jersey. Uh, what is the latest on his situation, and, and why did you post on him today on Inside Texas? Give people some in yeah. information. Yeah, Nair's a kid that doesn't do a lot of interviews at all, so you kind of have to really do some digging to find the official visit schedule for him. In the spring, they shut down – mom shut down spring recruiting pretty much the visits for an academic focus, which I, I kind of appreciated it with her doing that. So he, he's not a guy who's been on as many unofficial visits. He hasn't kind of made the round some other kids have, and he definitely doesn't talk about it on social media or give a lot of interviews. So I did some digging, made some calls, um, especially up on the East Coast, and he's going to visit Rutgers officially this weekend. Uh, am I putting in an RPM for the, uh, the Scarlet Knights? I am not. Um, he goes to Georgia the following week, and then he goes to Texas. He was at Florida State last weekend. Uh, so, again, it, we, we last time we talked about it, I can't remember where that was, he, it just feels so similar to Sadir Mitchell's recruitment that it's trending south, trending south. Um, and Penn State was a school that, you know, people were watching early on. They didn't haven't got an official visit to this point. Uh, so Texas remains in a pretty good position. Um, let's see what happens on that Georgia visit uh, June 16th through 23rd. I think that'll be a big one. Um, and I'm not discounting Rutgers or Florida State, but I think headed into this process, Texas and Georgia were considered kind of the top two along with Penn State. And Texas and Georgia definitely remain and get the last two officials. All right. Uh, let's uh, keep going here. I want to get in and ask a couple questions because they uh, folks did get in a couple of good questions that are uh, – pertinent to some things that we had just talked about, Jerry, and I neglected to ask him myself. Uh, let's start with David Williams here. Uh, Jerry, who would you compare Reiner Swanson to? Uh, Texas needs a dominant tight end equally as much as they need two or three 
dominant defensive tackles. Obviously, that's with the idea that JT Sanders now in the, into his junior year is going to be uh, a potential pro uh, early uh, early departure. Yeah, um, I, I need to think on who he compares to. I, I haven't really thought about that a ton. I don't know if anybody for you, Bobby, comes to mind. Um, I'm, I'm just kind of, I'm kind of giving that a run real quick in my head. I've got somebody in mind, but I need to te- check something on that. Um, Grant Do what? Grant Calcaterra. <laughs> Grant Calcaterra. Um, that's that's not a bad one. Um, I'm headed down the list of how about Jay Sternberger? I mean, it, that could be a guy. The Kansas, the Kansas you know, guy that went to A&M eventually? Yeah, he's from Kingfisher, Oklahoma. He originally went to Kansas, then he went to JUCO, then Tim Brewster recruited him to A&M. Uh, Tim was at A&M. And similar size frame guy, 6'4", 250 pounds, kind of good, better athlete than you think, but has really good hands, body control. Uh, could do enough after the catch. So maybe I was thinking of somebody Texas fans might have seen recent years, might be watching the NFL. Maybe maybe that's one. Got it. Fair enough. Uh, thank you, David, for your question. Let's get to this one real quick. Michael Williams uh, with the Super Chat. We appreciate it, Michael. That that looks like that's two six-packs on yeah. a Friday afternoon, guys. Uh, that's what that looks like as Jerry takes a drink. What's in that cup? Water. In that Water. Cup, Jerry. Water. All right, Michael Williams, uh, in watching the SEC over the last 10 years, I'm amazed at the size, athletic ability of all the players. How close is Texas to that type of th- t- type of team? And when will the on three app be available? I'll mention that. I'll talk about the app. Ian, I want you and Jerry to kind of parse this first part of the question over as it relates to the SEC and where Texas is at. You know, Texas, I think, is more or less there. I mean, maybe Jerry will disagree. I'm curious to hear, but. When they played, when they played Georgia in the Sugar Bowl um, in 2018, and they had a weaker team in 2018 than they do now, but the the they did not have an issue in that game with Georgia's size and physicality. I know they were not playing, you know, Georgia's frontline guys had, were uh, you know defected for the draft a little early, but it was still you know it was still a Georgia a good Georgia unit, you know, some big guys involved. Really, throughout the Herman era, they didn't really have a huge problem with lacking size or physicality, really even speed. A lot of it was like skill. They lacked skill and know-how. Um, I think they lost some ground for a minute at the end of the Herman era, in the beginning of the Sark, but I think they've recovered it. And uh, uh, what do you think, Jerry? Yeah, so I don't think they're Georgia or Alabama yet. That doesn't mean they can't beat them. They almost beat Bama last year, but we're talking 1 through 85 here. Uh, with the reality of only 22 guys are on the field at the same time and some subs make it about 40, right? I don't think one through 85, they're where Georgia or Bama is. I don't think they're where Florida at peak Urban Meyer was. Um, but so you take away those three teams, maybe the LSU 2019 team was, was, was ridiculously talented, even though Texas scored 50 points on them. Um, Texas doesn't have that many draft picks on the team. So those highest of high SEC teams, as far as NFL draft picks, I don't think Texas is there. But I think once you get past those great teams that the SEC's had, I think Texas is right there. I mean, I think Texas has a uh, bigger, more athletic roster than a Mississippi State, Ole Miss um, do right now. They don't have the defensive line A&M has, but I, I would argue they're better at uh, other positions than A&M is and some other positions. 
Uh, I don't know your thoughts on that, Bobby. That's where I, that's kind of where I come out just looking at the best teams from the SEC and thinking about what would you look like physically matching up with those guys. Let, let me see if this makes sense to you, Jerry, from a, a and, and Ian, from a field perspective. I feel like Texas is one and a half deep instead of two deep. Does that make sense to you? Like, I feel like they're 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 thirty players deep, not forty five. Right. Does that make sense? I, I so, uh, and I feel like there are some. While no team is truly too deep everywhere, right? Georgia and Alabama are a little bit ahead of the game. Ohio State's a little bit ahead of that game. Michigan maybe, although they're they're more in that same area with Texas a lot of times, um, or where Texas is now at least. So I, I, I would caution that, that is Texas all the way there? No, uh, but I'm telling you that they're gaining. They're gaining. Uh, the last two years have been just enormous for this program and what Steve Sarkeesian uh, and his team have done. Uh, when will the On3 app be available? I know they're dealing with some stuff right now and trying to get it up and going. So a week, two weeks, a month, I don't know. I'm not a technologist uh, for sure as I had a problem pushing, pushing the go live button today on this show. So, uh, but uh, I know that they're trying to get it going. By the way, David Williams said out, he was hoping I was going to say Kellen Winslow. I can't say Kellen Winslow on anything. No. I'm out. No, <laughs> okay. no. I mean, Kellen Winslow is a, is, he's, is, he's, he's out of my anything comparison. Yeah. He's the unicorn at that position, right? Well, I mean, for other reasons. Oh, <laughs> well, that's, that's definitely, <laughs> I, I don't even see Jerry. I don't even go there. My brain doesn't think that way. It, it just doesn't think that way. All right. Uh, got another free uh, freelance society. Michael, thank you for the uh, super chat going to freelance society. Uh, do you, we think, or who will double t- get the double team more at wide receiver worthy or AD? I think this depends on how the first couple of games go. If A.D. Mitchell makes some plays over the top and he that even proves out against Bama, maybe, then you're going to have to – you may start seeing him. Who's the bigger threat to score? I mean, is if A.D. brings a little bit of a deep threat, then I, I think it gets interesting. Um, I think Worthy, the way they're going to move him around is going to be tougher. I don't know what Ian thinks. I, d- depends a little bit on what you mean by double team. Um, you know, there's – like a true double team, like we're going to have a safety bailing behind this guy at the snap every play. And then there's, hey, let's make sure that the safety doesn't get too far away. Right. The coverages. <clears throat> and so um, I, I lean more to B on that. I think that, wait, was that? I lean more to B, what you said, B, just making sure the safety has a couple of steps towards A.D. Mitchell if he's a deep threat type of thing. I don't think a true double's happening. I don't think that teams will be able to afford it against Texas because they have too many weapons elsewhere to get away with it. And um, I I think that the degree to which AD faces like a guy over the top will depend on whether they use him as much in the deep passing game. If AD needs to have a guy over the top, then the offense is going to be completely, you know, unworkable because you can't do that with both safeties and have a prayer against Sanders or Witt or against the run game. So uh, you, I, you meant indefensible, not undefensible, not unworkable, right? Yeah, have, unworkable for the defensive coordinator. Thank right? you. Yeah. <laughs> I got you. Hey, I, I always thought that it would be harder to double A.D. Mitchell because he's going to be uh, probably on one side by himself most of the time. 
And so if you really have to put more coverage on that side, you're, you're likely putting more, uh, whereas it's easier on a, a field side uh, to add another guy, right? Um, that's just yeah. my thought. So. And, and to your point, if, if AD is on the short side of the field and they have to play a safety over him consistently, that actually will help the run game more than if they had to worry about doing so with Worthy a little further removed. Because teams really want to use that short side safety uh, closer to the box. Got it. Freelance Society, thank you so much for the um, uh, super chat. We appreciate it. That's another six pack uh, for us on uh, this uh, Friday afternoon. Uh, I want to go straight now to our uh, weekly uh, question of the week, uh, trivia question of the week. Jerry Hamilton, you came up with this one. I'm going to let you give folks uh, the uh, honors of doing it. Uh, The first one that gets it only gets bragging rights. We're not giving anything away this week, but the bragging rights is still valuable in this, uh, on this channel for sure. Go ahead, Jerry. So Texas is advanced to the college world series, 21, 2021, 2022. If they beat Stanford as an underdog, by the way, and advanced to the world series, a third straight year, when would be the last time the Texas baseball program advanced the three straight college world series? I love this question, Jerry, because it could fly in the face of some people that say that David Pierce isn't the answer. Right? I mean, I'm not saying he's going to get Texas over the top, but it's it's a legitimate question. Yeah, no doubt. All right, let's see what, it, what people people get this here. Somebody close. Here we go. Let's keep looking here. Somebody's off by a year. Yeah. This is interesting. Wasn't uh, uh Goat Walker Bijan is going way back. Look at this answer. <laughs> wow. Well, he has to with Doak Walker in his hand. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's not there. Can I give a hint? Doak, I can't ask I can't ask questions on your timeline. I don't have that capability. <laughs> well, this, this may not be a good hint because it may be wrong. But wasn't uh, Oakland Athletics closer Houston Street involved in one of these years? I think he was. Loba Bread. Yeah, Loba Bread. Congratulations. E. Kim also got it uh, because. Yeah, he came back with 0305. Yeah, those are are the right. Actually, Texas made it four years in a row, right, Jerry? Yep. Uh, For those groups. But uh, that's what the Longhorns are shooting for this weekend. Uh, Congratulations to Loba Bread and E. Kim. We appreciate everyone who participates in that. Uh, it's a fun thing that we do uh, each and every week. And uh, I want to say thank you uh, to Last Stand Hats, uh, our sponsor uh, for that. Uh, those guys do a great job at Last Stand Hats. I don't know if you guys have seen these or not, but I wear this one. This is one of my favorite ones. Uh, just go to laststandhats.com. Use promo code BOBBY10 for 10% off. Uh, you guys get anything in there, 10% off. Uh, kind of some cool stuff as we get ready for football season. I think he's got some new hats dropping uh, here pretty soon. All right, let's get to some more questions, guys, and keep it going uh, for everybody. Uh, let's start with Texas Dirty Boar. Boy, are our chances of getting a five-star defensive tackle and edge this year or next? And is that what separates us from the upper-class SEC programs? Um, D tackle, I think Dominant McKinley is the only five-star guy. Um now I'm a little different on that stuff. I mean, I I think there's a 
when you're recruiting the SEC region, boy, there's plenty of NFL guys on the defensive line, future draft picks that aren't ranked as five stars. So I think you kind of got to separate that. Um, edge, because I still, I still think D tackles a developmental position, by the way. Uh, I think even the, the portal's making people question, should it be? But it has to be. Um, edge, I mean, I think the better chances at edge, because Colin Simmons is more of a Texas LSU battle. Uh, right now, I think Dominic McKinley, I mean, does he end up being a Texas LSU battle? We'll see. Dominic McKinley's at AM this weekend, Oklahoma, then Texas. The LSU will get him in during the season, assuming he doesn't commit before his senior season. Um, and I'm guessing November 11th would be a date for that. That's when Colin Simmons is going to visit LSU. You can kind of see LSU working right now as far as their in-season visits. I mean, Kobe Black's going there in September, so maybe it could be then. Um, for a guy like Dominic McKinley. Depends on when Dominic McKinley wants his uh, recruitment to end. Uh, Edge, though, I mean, I think Colin Simmons is a better shot this year, so I've got to go with him. Um, is that what separates Texas from the upper SEC? I think that's what separates Alabama and Georgia from every program. I mean, honestly, is I mean, look, Georgia had their whole defensive line two years ago was first-round draft picks. And they ate into Alabama in recruiting in the state of Georgia, and that's finally how they passed them, in my opinion, was they had the better front. And it took Kirby a while to get there. Uh, but then Clemson had a great front, didn't get enough out of it the last couple of years. They had a great front. Ohio State's had great fronts. I think that's what separates those programs. I think even when you go back to, you know, your opinion on this, I mean, think about Florida State at the height of their powers. I mean, they're just playing man and they had first round picks all up and down the defensive line and probably a couple of backups that were too. Right. And they could brush the passer from every position. Miami's D lines. I mean, I think it's quarterback and D line is what's always separated uh, college football in the, in the modern day. Even when Auburn, when Auburn was giving same yeah. issues, it was, they had the same, you I probably DT over O line by, some margin of de- probably a decent margin. Mm-hmm. But another thing also that we haven't, that is the, the guards and the tackles on the offensive line, you watch like Georgia and Alabama and their better seasons. Those guys just move everyone. Yeah. Like Clemson's the only school that's won multiple national titles without high draft picks. And I think it's because they had first round, first round quarterback, first round running back NFL tight end three NFL wide. So they could kind of, mask it in a way because you could we were talking about doubling earlier people couldn't double clemson in those years they had a that, hey that's what texas did in 2009 yeah they didn't have a single nfl offensive no. lineman no. not even close they got the national championship game by doing exactly that yeah i would have won too yeah yep. I yeah agree. <laughs> there we go uh thank you very much uh by the way texas dirty boy for that uh, super chat let's go to our next question from joel mcwaters would our number one offense, this is theoretical, so I'm going to start with Ian. Would our number one offense be able to score three TDs on our number one defense in a 12-possession game? My question, my answer, immediate answer is they better be able to. Yeah. Yeah. Ian? Yeah, that, that'd, be a, that'd probably be like the litmus test for whether they are putting it together. Um, in the way that they need to to win the Big 12 championship. And definitely if they're going into Bama with their legit chance. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about right now, but definitely by the end of fall, the answer needs to be yes. Got it. And uh, is it? I don't I don't know for sure. I, yeah. Prob- probably close, at least. Yeah. 
It's going to be interesting, uh, Ian, I think, if if Quinn Ewers can actually pick apart a defense a little bit. Because if they can if they can move the ball with some consistency and get first downs, touchdowns are going to come. Uh, too many talented players not to get there, but Quinn needs to learn to kind of take what's given to him a little bit in this offense and not always go for the jugular. All right, Jerry, this one's from you for you from E. Kim, one of the guys who won the uh, trivia question uh, contest. How big will the 2024 class be, in your opinion? When you and I looked at it, uh, along with Justin Wells, we were thinking 22 to 24. Is well, that still the number? Yeah, let's walk it through. We have one quarterback, likely two running backs, three, three wide, six. They want two tight ends, eight, um, say four offensive linemen. That's 12. If they got a fifth, they would take it. They'd have to be a great player. So 12, three D linemen. 15, two edge at least, 17, one or two linebackers is where it gets confused. So let's go with 19, either third edge or second linebacker, 19, five DBs, 24 athlete, maybe 25, or that athlete could be considered a wide outer DB. Um, so I think 24 is probably your number, 23, 24. And I think that's where we all pretty much always start nowadays. Got it. I, does that I, make sense? It does. My – Caveat to that is attrition mm -hmm. and portal. Mm -hmm. Texas needs both. Right. And so when we start talking numbers, we're not, we're, we are primarily talking just high school guys, but that doesn't include portal. Correct. And so that people need to understand I, you could see easily 30 new bodies on yes. campus next year. Yeah. Um, and a lot of that's going to depend on how many early entries there are. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, you, you, I, the, the key here and what I think Jerry and I are both trying to get across is that it's a little too early to be definitive. You can have parameters, though, right? And that's that's kind of it. All right, uh, I want to say uh, go to Michael Schuler. Uh, who steps up at edge this year opposite Baron Sorrell? Opposite Baron Sorrell. Ian, uh, it's Ethan Burke right now. Yeah. I think that's who it ends up? It might be committee. It might be um, it might be Burke on rundowns and um, Anthony Hill on passing downs. It might be against bigger teams. They might play bigger and play Sorrell at Buck and play a bigger guy like Jare Bledsoe or someone as the other as the Jack, the bigger strong side end. Um, I think Sorrell will be a constant. And then right now, I would vote for committee unless somebody really steps up in a big way in fall camp and owns a, a every down like a Gofu had role kind of role, which I don't know if, you know, I don't know if a Gofu would win that role this year with the, you know, emerging options around them. Ashton Holloway threw out to Celia Khan as a situational pass rusher possibility. I, I, I kind of, I could see that as a situational pass rush guy. I, I, I've got to say, wait, I've got to ask this before Ian goes. Ian, what about Anthony Hill? Yeah, I think Akana as a situational pass rusher was a lot more likely before we watched. That's a good point. Hill in the spring. Oh. Yeah. I mean, my, my question is, is Hill, Hill's big enough to, to play end. Um, I know he doesn't want to, or that's not the, the general thinking on him. But man, the way he got after the quarterback in the spring game, there's a lot to like about him trying to just pin his ears back a few times a game. In my opinion, they did that with Overshone some last year. I think they would like to do it with Hill. Uh, Hill's probably better at it because yeah. he's more forceful. 
Gotcha. Uh, this is from Dylan. Uh, Bobby and guys, I just wanted to commend you on the constant quality videos that you guys are putting out every day. Each guest provides a different approach and specialty in the topics they cover. We really appreciate it. Something that we've been focused on at Inside Texas uh, for the last uh, several months, more than a year now. Uh, and I think we're really just starting to hit our stride. Uh, we certainly appreciate it when people uh, notice that work. I think we're over 13,000 subscribers now to this uh, YouTube channel. Uh, we definitely appreciate it. So if you're not a subscriber to the channel, uh, please do so if you get a chance. Uh, and Dylan and everybody out there, uh, thank you all so much for the kind words. It really does matter because Ian and I and Jerry and I have all talked about this. We actually enjoy doing these things. And so it's good that other people get some enjoyment out of it too because uh, football, in our opinion, or following Texas football, except when they lose, is supposed to be fun in our opinion. And that, uh, that is definitely the case uh, with us. All right. We got to say thanks to our sponsor one more time. Uh, that is our guys over at myperfectfranchise.net. Andy Ludicky, myperfectfranchise.net. If you're looking to leave the corporate rat race, or really if you're just looking to own your own business and need some help figuring out when and where to start, what kind of business works for you, Andy is a professional that actually matches people with businesses. So he has a list of a thousand plus franchises and knows the, the uh, dollars, ins and outs of what it takes to get started uh, and how much it takes to keep it running, uh, as well as the amount of profit that you should expect. Give him a call and he can help you through the process. Andy at myperfectfranchise.net or 404-973-9901. Uh, we appreciate Andy uh, on the Friday live stream as well. All right, uh, we're going to continue going down here. Jerry, do hmm. you think Derek Williams will have an immediate impact like Caleb Downs at Bama or Malachi Starks at Georgia? Since I, I think that may even be more so. Yeah, since he wasn't an early enrollee, I don't see it. If he had been an early enrollee, I could have seen I could have seen him push. Um, I was in Austin this week. He actually walked by me. He looks tremendous physically. Uh, I'll just say that. I mean, he looks really good for a kid that wasn't there early um, and a guy that was in multiple sports, right? So he's getting his first taste of a college strength and conditioning program this summer. Um, it's going to be exciting to see where he goes physically. Uh, I guarantee he weighs more than 185 right now. Um, obviously, that was the high school weight. Um, so we'll see. I mean, I, I just I think it's going to be tough also. But to me, so much as, of the safety position is tied to the health of Jalen Catalan this season. Because if he has a healthy season, he's going to play a lot of snaps. And that's going to limit anybody else's opportunity to break in. Um, so I think, I mean, not saying they're going to play the same safety position, but just in general, if Catalan's healthy, that's going to keep a lot of guys off the field. It might have, I, a, I it might have an immediate impact like, uh, what was that guy, Bo Trahan? Right. <laughs> Head coach of Tyler Legacy. <laughs> there you go. I think he'll – I think he'll be more than that. I'll just uh, put it that way. Uh, all right, let's keep going here. A uh, couple more questions we got going. Please get your questions in. Don't forget. Uh, I have one for Dylan uh, from Dylan that I think is good here. And he was the one that gave us the really nice uh, compliment. So I want to follow up uh, answering one of his questions. Jerry, is Parker Livingstone close to a lock for us? That's the wide receiver out of Lovejoy up in the Dallas area. If so, who would you compare him to in recent years, if anyone? Is he a lock first, and then who would you compare him to? I mean, as far as locks, he's probably about as close as it comes, I mean, for Texas. 
I mean, you know, you go down the list of guys that you'd sit there and put an RPM at 75% on, he'd be probably one of them. Um, I'll be doing some of that more as we get closer to these visit weekends the next couple of weeks and in the early July. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think, I think things are trending very well there. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's a player comparison. I don't really have one for him. I need to think about that one a little bit. Um, that one's one I, I I need some time to think on and really look at. Nobody's popping it into my head. What about what about somebody like Caleb Chapman that was at AM for a little bit? Possibly. I mean, I think Chapman was a thicker kid. Um, but possibly. I mean, um, you know, I, I think Parker being going back to baseball this spring didn't work with margin hooks as much. So uh see what see how much he gets out of this summer, really getting ready for a senior. I think a senior year is gonna be so interesting at Lovejoy because Last year, um, he wasn't he wasn't the number one guy. Um, so that, that was the kid that signed with LSU, whose name I'm, I'm totally forgetting, and I loved him. Um, so Parker got some coverage benefits last year. This year, he's going to be the marked man because uh, they had they lost two receivers, one that went to SMU, and then Kyle Parker, who went to LSU, who was tremendous. So Parker now is going to be the marked man in that offense. So I think it's going to be a chance for him to really take the next step as a player this year. So I kind of want to see what he looks like senior year. He just went to uh, South Carolina this past weekend, I yeah. believe. Yeah. Uh, so he's set to come into Texas on the 23rd of June. Correct. Then set to make his decision at some point in early July. So that's kind of the update there on him. Uh, thanks, Dylan, for the question. Alan Barrera. Who do y'all think is the most underrated recruit out of the great country class? Uh, great. Can't name Anthony Hill. Well, he wasn't underrated. He's a five-star, so you're right. We can't name him. Underrated. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games. I've always liked Samaje Burrell. I, I, just, I just think Burrell's got that linebacker build to him he's got that intelligence to him he's got that physicality he's so athletic um i think if he got in the spring i think he would have been pushing uh for time obviously um he wouldn't have started but he'd have been pushing for time i think he's got a chance to be a really good linebacker um you know i i, I don't i don't know i mean i could we call deandre more underrated because of his ranking possibly I mean, he, he looked really good in the spring as a route runner, got great hands. I think he's going to be a guy who, when quarterback throws ball, they know he's going to be there where he's supposed to be and is going to catch the football. I got I got two. Uh, it was the first one I thought of was Leonga LaFowle, which is funny because yeah. he could be competing for Jerry with Jerry's guy. 
I, I think Leonga LaFowl may be the <clears throat> replacement for Jalen Ford in 2024 when he moves on. Um, I really like Samaje Barrel too. I'm curious to see how he seems like maybe a longer a longer uh, timeline unless he can play next to him at will, uh, which will depend on where Hill ends up and where Gillette ends up and all these other guys. My other guy, Archibald Manning. <laughs> ah, underrated. Who went when he decided not to go to Alabama or Georgia and go to Texas? The entire college football internet decided that he sucks <laughs> and that he's going to be a bust, and that the only reason anyone cares about him is because his daddy and his uncles and his grandpa. Um, so he, I like that, Ian. I'm listening and, to Ian calling people out right now. This is this is how he does it. He was he's to me he's like the silent assassin. He just to does me, it. Arch is a victim of paralysis by analysis in the recruiting world. That's what I believe, and if I'm wrong, I'll admit it. I don't think I'm going to be. Guys, he he did end up the number two overall recruit on on three and number one overall in the consensus. <laughs> so it's not like I mean he's it's hard to be underrated at that point. Um, I'll give y'all. I, I win this one because I I think I win. I'm going with Sadir Mitchell. Um, ranked overall in the consensus, 225 nationally, 90 or excuse me, 26 that is position. Based on what I saw in the spring game, that's wildly inaccurate. Yeah, he's a top five defensive tackle on on the interior. Period. They they don't make five of those a year. Kirby and Muschamp and Trey Scott don't try to flip a kid from Texas up in New Jersey if they don't think he's really, really good. Yeah, I just the, the, uh, there's not five interior defensive tackles that sign that are as good as he is or as talented as he is. Bobby, so. your answer is a lot smarter than mine. <laughs> but you know what? The number one question I get asked from people up here in Michigan when they find out I write about Texas for a living. <laughs> What's that? Is Arch going to be a bust? <laughs> I'm telling you, I hear it all the time in this spring game. He's really the first. It's interesting. He's the first recruit that I can remember that's kind of fallen into the pro sports now where you build them up and break them down. Yeah. He got broken down before he turned 18. <laughs> I don't think I've – I mean, like, you tear him up, you know, you just – I don't think I've seen that for a guy before he turned 18. I mean – you know, so I think he's the first, and, and it's probably when he's come out, right, and where we are in social media, but he's the first. It he's the first that road. didn't do it of his own accord. Hey, Jerry, he's the first that didn't do it of his own accord. Right. Like, didn't get in trouble, didn't play worse. Right. You know, there are some guys that fall off a cliff because they, you know, something happened at school or they started playing. He did all the things right. And, and had that issue. All somebody right, told me something about him this week, but I really don't want to say it, but it was a compliment. And somebody knows him very well. But if I said it, it would, people would take it and run with it. But Texas fans, I wouldn't be worried about Arch Manning. Gotcha. All right. Uh, Texas Dirty Boy. Uh, thanks again for the super chat here. Does our 25, 2025 QB commitment indicate players may think Saban might not coach? After 75 years old. Jerry, this is up your alley because you you do national recruiting. This is a great question, guys. And we got to be careful. But, look, this is not anything against Coach Saban. He's the best coach we've seen in college football. But once these guys hit 70 years old, their tends, the questions do tend to follow. I mean – you know, if we if you remember kind of how what happened with Bobby Bowden at FSU, 
you know, and I'm talking recruiting here. Paterno had the same thing happen. Once you hit that age, I mean, a 2025 kid, Saban's going to be almost 73 when that kid graduates from high school. And the questions do start happening in that regard. I mean, I think that's – I don't think that we're to say anything negative on the greatest coach we've seen in college football. I just think it is what it is. I mean, that, that means Nick Saban, 75-76 by uh, uh, K.J. Lacey's third year in college. The chances of him coaching then are about zero. There is – got to wonder if there is something going on too because it's not just K.J. Lacey. Right. Like, how many offensive coordinators did Saban go through before he got to Tommy Reese? How many transfer quarterbacks did he go through before he got to uh, to Buckner? It just seems to be something about Alabama right now where they are just don't have the same pull. Maybe it's maybe it's also just the mystique is a little bit diminished because they got him doing commentary during the playoffs while Kirby Smart wins championships. But uh, I don't know. So maybe, something. maybe for him, maybe for him, NIL is a convenient scapegoat of sorts yeah. as it relates to some of that stuff. <clears throat> All right, uh, going to go to Tim Salinas next. Tim, thank you for the uh, uh, super chat. We really appreciate it. Uh, what's more likely to happen? Kurt Bowles saying something positive about the Horns, or Texas having multiple players win a national award this year? I don't know, like, is All-American status a national award? If so, I think Texas has one in Jalen Ford, which leads me into something that, uh, Ian, you wrote about that I want to talk to you about at length later is, you know, if there's a national award winner on this team right now, do y'all think that's who it is, Jalen Ford, the most surefire thing? Yes. Um I could see, um, you know, if Brock Bowers decides to go to Napa and not return to Athens in, in August or something, or, you know, sprains his big toe, gets a little turf toe that Jatavion Sanders could win something. <laughs> I mean, uh, uh, but, but then again, look, Georgia's got a new offensive coordinator, a new quarterback. Texas doesn't. So maybe JT has a chance. Yeah. Uh, the most likely – being Jalen Ford is such a good question. We may, maybe we should revisit this for the weekend conversation again. <laughs> but um, I maybe because I mean I don't know if he's even really the best player on the defense, but he will be in position to make a ton of plays, and he made a good number of them last year, and he could he could get better and make a lot more next year. And, and honestly, how do you win this award? It's making the big yeah. plays, right? It he may not be as Leon, what you kind of talked about, he may not be the most consistent linebacker against a run in the country, but if he picks off four passes and goes for a touchdown on a really good team and makes some wild plays, those guys I, tend to win those awards, right? I believe that um, uh, uh, oh, I'm blanking. Aaron Harris was an All-American in 2005, and uh, he was you know, probably similar to Jalen Ford. He was a good player in a very good defense with NFL players around him. So he had a chance to make a lot of high-impact plays. And uh, he, he ended up as, as an All-American where maybe some others weren't. So. The issue there is I think that Ford has NFL potential long-term. Uh, yeah, he's better than Aaron Harris. But. Yeah, yeah. 
Jordan Holloman, uh, thanks for the question here. Texas has su successfully recruited four-star wide receivers in the past. What makes these group of guys this staff has recruited different from the ones in the past? Well, Xavier Worthy is a five-star. No, we were, we was a consensus four. We only had him as a five. Oh, only on three had him as a yeah, five. Yeah. So what makes him different? A.D. Mitchell to four. Um, John Tay Cook. Well, here's the thing. Has Texas had this many guys stacked in the room? I mean, Jordan Whittington was a high four-star ranked athlete. DeAndre Moore, John Tay Cook. I mean, the only guy who had no offers was essentially Isaiah Nayor, but he was a came back to football late. And there's always going to be guys like that, but you would have to say he's a four-star talent. I don't know that Texas has had this many four-star guys in a wide receiver room. I mean, somebody may, can think back. May, I, I don't think even Brandon Collins, when he was in that room before he got booted at Texas. I mean, you know, I mean, obviously Roy, BJ, and Sloan were. I don't know the depth of that wide receiver room, though, was. they, uh, they There was a couple of years where they thought they had it, and it didn't pan out. So like um, 2008, 2009, they had like Dan Buckner. Yeah. They, who actually I think ended up being pretty good at one of the Arizona schools. Arizona, yeah. Um, I, I mean, and Jerry is one of the differences, margin hooks. I mean, they've had a lot of four stars over the years that busted. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's a great point, Ian. You have somebody in Dallas who really trains these guys like almost an NFL coach does. He really gets these guys prepared. I mean, those kids go into college and they're ready. DeAndre Moore, similar, had really – was way ahead as a route runner and in, in the understanding of the nuance of the position coming in. So, I don't know. I think I, I think this may be the most talented six or seven guys they've had if you put them all on a board together. I don't know, what do you think, Bobby? I mean, nobody's as good as Roy Williams, first of what? all, so let's leave that there. Herman is great. great. Herman great. is a great foil for that point because yeah. he had he had Devin Duvernay, who took a while to develop skill, but was like a thick track star. Yeah, he recruited Jordan Whittington, who was an all-around athlete at a small school. He recruited Brennan Eagles, who was a massive freak athlete that did not pan out in the skill department again. Um, Colin Johnson, yeah, little Jordan Humphrey. Little Jordan Humphrey ended up panning out pretty good, and then he was gone too early. Um, whereas, uh, whereas Sark's guys are are much more finely tuned coming in. Largely, I mean Ryan Niblett is not. Yeah, right. Or, Brandon or Thompson. Thompson. By the way, there's another guy that's probably going to redshirt this year. But I mean, talent. You want to talk about a talent now? <laughs> yeah. All right. Thanks for the question, Jordan. We appreciate it. Uh, let's go to Aloha Traveler. Hey, guys, love the content here lately. What do you guys think of Savion Red making a significant impact this year? Concerns about Texas uh, lacking yards after catch in 2023. I think you may be going for yak yards after contact. At I, I don't know. I, I, I think it's it could be either way. My my thought on this is is pretty clear. People ask me who the number two running back is going to be this year. Jerry, you would say Cedric Baxter like nine times out of ten. Uh, I neglected to mention Keelan Robinson. But I think Savion Red, I think it could be a, a 1A in Jonathan Brooks and then a 2A and 2B with Ced Baxter and Savion Red. I agree. You, you know, where as long as Brooks is healthy, he gets the lion's share of everything. And those two guys come in and spell him a little bit, a little bit differently. 
You, you know one thing, and I think this is why Aloha Traveler brings up Savion Red. You can question his long speed. He's not that guy. Um, you can question, okay, what what are his – how's he going to do as a running back in a game on Saturday? He hadn't done it before. But the one thing you can't uh, question about him, he runs pissed off. <laughs> so that gives him a chance because he's coming in when the defense isn't fresh, and he's going to come in and put his knee and his pads into somebody's chest. Um, and that gives him a chance because we talk about it all the time, Bijan, you didn't have to block a play, and he could add great contact balance, make people miss and get a first down. Roshan had a little bit of that runs pissed off thing to him. Um, and I think Cedric Baxter's got it, but he's still a freshman that runs upright. So I think he's going to get body rocked a few times until he kind of gets comfortable in college football. But Jonathan Brooks is more of the – I'm not saying he doesn't run physical, but I'm not sure that's his absolute strength. I think he's just a good all-around running back. Red, I kind of wonder if Red may also be like, um, like Rashawn got better every year. 100%. And I think Red may be kind of like that. Great like, There's a million ways in which you could project Red to be good. Like yeah. he's big enough where he probably should be good in pass protection eventually, but probably not yet. He probably projects well as a short yardage runner. I think he's probably a little closer there to maybe earning a role. He could be a wildcat guy next year if they want to keep the wildcat cat package going because that's what he did in high school. You can flex him out and use him as a receiver. He has a year of training as a receiver. He has like a million different potential uses that would make him an amazing, maybe an amazing feature back, but certainly a, an amazing change of pace guy. And I'll, 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 Yeah, Ian, you made a great point. Bobby, we watched it, that open practice. When he was running routes because he has the wide receiver feet and played it for a year, he was – separating much easier than the other backs or it wasn't even close. He knew he created separation. And some of that's that compact body too, right? Boom. But he knows how to get in and out of a cut. So he had that separation as a running back. I, I liked him in the passing game a lot yeah. out of the backfield. And there were times at uh, two, two reps in a row to shard choice clapped. Yeah. Said, way to go red, you yeah. know, way to go 17. Uh, yeah. When they saw him in, in that, and there, there's a reason for that, in my opinion. So I, I I feel really good about where he's at. All right, let's go to this one real quick uh, uh, from Football Texas. Rumors about Colorado moving back to the Big Twelve. If that were to happen, how would that affect the state of Texas in recruiting? With Coach Prime going after Texas recruits, not that he isn't now. I think it's a I think it's a great question. Not guys, Texas is recruiting, but I think he could put a dent in an Oklahoma State if he can win enough. Um, he can put a dent in Oklahoma State. He can compete with, and I'm not saying Joe McGuire's not going to win more games and be and do. They're doing a great job there. He can compete with Lubbock, Texas, in recruiting though. I mean, he can compete with these guys if he he can compete with Baylor if it's at just not a close to home recruitment. So I think he can. I think he could affect the Big Twelve in recruiting if he can get over the hump on the field. Yeah, I think that's. I I think that. Those things that he better have success relatively early because if he doesn't, it it's you want to talk about a guy getting tear, torn down now. I mean, that exactly. is that's I exactly mean, right. I, I there was a Pac 12 assistant coach that predicted one and 11 to 0 and 12 for them this year. That better not happen. I bet you I, it doesn't. I bet you it doesn't. I, I just I don't I find that hard to believe. <laughs> Two but to if three wins, I, I'm State. two to three wins max for them, by the way. If they lose to Colorado State to open the season there, it's going to be a long one. Two to three wins max. All they, right, got uh, a, they got a, a 
down the line descendant from the Art Bryles coaching tree as their offensive coordinator. Yeah. They have Shadir Sanders is actually pretty good. They have that Travis Hunter guy flexed yeah. out. Uh, I think they may be a little better than his detractors would like to see. Yeah. We'll see. All right. It's Kunu. Do we see this year's commits at OL committing in bunches like last year? This is a good question, Jerry. Great is the staff recruiting their pri- priority four to five as a unit like last year? Or is this are this more individual recruitments? Quick note, Jerry just broke the news that DeAndre Carter had set up his official visit. He's another big offensive lineman from the same high school as Brandon Baker, the big blue chipper. Uh, so, Jerry, give us an offensive line overview and also can, uh, add in that part about committing in bunches like they did last year. Yeah, I think that's a great, the first one. I think that's a great point. I think this one class is a little different. Um, that one had the Arch Manning effect right out of the gate, too. Um, and, you know, that ended up with a Trevor Goosby decommit and, you know, flip the Texas. Um, that one had a lot of momentum behind it. Um, Texas is not going to have that type of momentum. You Very rarely do you get that in a class at that point in time when it happened. Um, but I do think Daniel Cruz, uh, Mackay Sena, um, you know, you go down the list of those guys, Nair Daniels, right? Daniel Calhoun. Those guys are all going to be committed before their senior seasons. Um, now, these guys – Last year was a really talented group of guys that are going to be developmental guys for Texas. This year's group of guys, I mean, Daniel Calhoun's Georgia-Bama-Texas battles, right? I mean, that's a kid from Marietta that's a Georgia and Texas are the top two. Nair Daniels is out of Bergen Catholic. That's looking like Texas-Georgia-FSU. There's more national battles in this class, which I think shifts the timeline a little bit. Um, I could see Daniel Cruz being a guy that's early off the board after the official visits. I could see Makai Sana doing the same thing out of Arlington Martin. Flip side is, you know, you have Brandon Baker coming in the 16th through 18th. He's not coming in that big weekend. It's just how things have kind of happened with Baker changing his timeline from the fall to before his senior season. So Texas had to get him the 16th, 18th. He was already going to Georgia. Um, and then you have a couple of Dion uh, uh, Brooks, uh, BJ Brooks out of Calabasas. Um, a kid that Texas went out in the spring and loved. He's coming in the 16th through 18th. Eugene Brooks, I should say. They call him BJ. So you had a latecomer here in this class, and they chose 16th to 18th to get him in. So it's a little different game. And then there's two or three of those guys that may wait until the fall, DeAndre Carter being one of them. Uh, so it's, it's a different class. There's more national guys in this class. Uh, but I do think Texas will have four offensive line commits before they kick off the season. Got it. Uh, we got time for a few more questions here. Uh, but first, I want to say thank you to our sponsor. Uh, that is uh, Andy Ludicky at MyPerfectFranchise.net. Uh, if you're looking to own your own business, Andy's got a potential solution for you. Uh, if you want to get into the franchise business, perhaps give him a call at 404-973-9901 or send him an email, Andy at MyPerfectFranchise.net, and he'll take you through a process and try to find the right business for you. That's Andy at MyPerfectFranchise.net. We appreciate him and his uh, consistent sponsorship of this Friday live stream, just like we can uh, really appreciate all of you guys uh, joining us each and every Friday as well. Bobby, throw up E. Kim's Darian Gillette question. I think this is a great one, actually, because they're so... It, okay, so if Darian Gillette stays at linebacker, do they, does he have talent near Justin Williams? And I'm just saying two totally different players. Um, Justin Williams is a uh, you know, 6'2", 210-pound, explosive, quick, fast athlete. 
um, that I think athleticism's ahead of his instincts, but it won't matter. He'll play on Sundays. Um, he's he's that type of guy. Darren Gillette's a totally different frame. Um, I actually Darren Gillette walked by me this week when I was in Austin. He looks tremendous physically. Um, Eric Nolene, Justin Wells have reported that he's he's going to be full go in August, and, and I can confirm that. He's a guy who's going to be 6'3", 250 pounds. I don't see how he's not when you look at him in person. It would take a lot of work by Tory Beckton to keep him at 225, 230. I just don't see that. I think they're two totally different players, and I think Gillette is more in that. Um, Ian, I, that guy that could play off the edge, you know, if he comes – if that athleticism returns – and developing the maybe that pass rusher at the linebacker position, where I think Justin Williams, you just let him roam. You just put him at the mic and just let him take off and roam and, and play downhill. Got it. All right, a couple more questions here. Uh, Michael Schuler, thanks again for the Great super question. chat. Who surprises from the 2022 OL class this year? I don't know if it's a surprise, but I'm putting my hat in the ring for one Cam Williams. I don't know where he's going to play or how he's going to play. I just think he's just going to be too good not to play. I had the wrong class in mind. I, I was thinking Connor Stroh in 23 when I initially read the question. We keep, so 2022, Ian. 2022, yeah. Uh, DJ mean, Campbell, Malik Ogbo, Neto. Who's first up with an injury, right? Yeah. Whoever that is. Whoever the first step is in the event of an injury may – be a starter for seven games or more, right? Like, a, Jared, hey, DJ Campbell's still in a uh, uh, cast on his right wrist. He still, yeah, he, he still has the, yeah, he still has the. Uh, it's not a cast, but uh, you know, the stabilizer on. I Got think it. it's Cam Williams as well. I think Cam Williams is the answer. Got yeah. it. All right, thanks, Mike. We all agreed on something. <laughs> Right time to end this show and move on. <laughs> we got a couple more questions I want to get to. We have some good ones here today. This has been a really nice chat. We appreciate it. Uh, from Rathers Asbury, who leads the team in rushing this year, and what is the highest yard total for our RB in a game this year? The second one's kind of hard to guess at, uh, unless somebody just gets gashed uh, that we're unaware of. But I, I think I'm going with Jonathan Brooks because he's the he's expected to be the returner. The only caveat to that is injury, uh, and he has been injury, somewhat injury prone. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with Jonathan Brooks, and I'm going to say he gets 160-ish against Wyoming. I'm, oh, I'm, he's going to get more than that. Come on. The highest yardage total of the year? I, well, yeah, well, I have to, might have to split time. You know, Look, Bobby, I keep going back. I keep going back splitting time, and I keep going back to you having one less possession a game on mm-hmm. offense this year. I mean – and. I just think that's going to impact stats in college football. I really – I mean, like, in Texas is going to throw it more, I think. it. So, I just think a 14-carry, 160-yard game against the Wyoming might be kind of the best you're looking at this year. Let me ask you this, well, Jerry. Do you, think, do you think he's going to rush for 1,000 yards? Yeah. yeah. Okay, and, then 160 is low. Jerry, Jerry is forgetting, <laughs> Jerry's forgetting the game where Brooks goes for over 200 on Oklahoma – <laughs> he has multiple long runs and they don't pull him out because Sark wants to run up the score. <laughs> that could happen. Sark no, still wanted it to be 56 to nothing last year, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I guess my difference too is I think last year Bijan got the lion's share. I just don't think that's happened. I think Cedric Baxter's good and I think Savion Red's good. And I think in a game like Rice, 
if your offensive line has an advantage, you could see Jaden Blue, if you can get the guy in space, eating up three, four, five touches from some other guys. Too. I just think it's a different mix this year. It's true. Brooks does have a capacity for long runs, though, which could yeah. help him have a big breakout game, like I mentioned. Got a couple more questions here, then we got to get going. Uh, it's been an hour now, and uh, those guys got other work to do here. Uh, let's go with this one. Uh, Jerry, Ian, anything about Christian Jones cross-training at guard? I don't think he had in the, the spring, except for maybe one one practice. Uh, I think Cam Williams moved into that role. Yeah. So instead of cross-training Jones, they're going to cross-train Williams to try to get him on the field sooner. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I look, Ian, tell me what you think. I just don't think you move starting tackles into guards if you have a proven commodity, unless you just absolutely know it, it's it's the thing to do. And um, I, I don't know. I mean, he started two years at tackle. He started left tackle uh, when Kelvin Banks was still in high school. Then last year, Kelvin Banks started at tackle and Jones moved to right tackle. You've got a guy that's got 30-some-odd games, I think, starting at a tackle position for Texas. You're not going to move him to guard as a senior or as a super senior, right? Well, her pan did, but that didn't work out so great. So, yeah, Christian <laughs> Jones is the benefactor, actually. So, uh, <laughs> I, I tend to agree, I guess. Gotcha. I, all right, let's keep going. One last question here for the, the week. And, uh, we, again, we really appreciate you guys. Uh, and which one is it? Let me see here. Let's go here from Ashton Holloman. Uh, Jerry, who are the summer enrollees we aren't talking about that we should be? So uh, we talked about one of them today, Ryan Sanborn, I think, because uh, I do think the funding position is important. Uh, but uh, the other group that uh, we haven't talked about. I mean, we hit on Derek Williams. Um, you know, there's Warren Roberson out there, but again, not in an early role at safety, but I will say this. If Warren Ro Roberson uh, proves he can cover on the power five level, watch out because he has a hit stick already. He's coming, he's coming ready to rip your helmet off. So, and he's got the frame. Uh, I think he's an interesting one. We mentioned Samaje Burrell. Um, I'm trying, I'm trying to think, you know, Billy Walton, I think is a down the line guy, but looks great physically. Um, you know, one of those guys that could develop as a pass rusher, Anybody come to your mind, Ian? I mean, Trevor Gooseby's a down-the-line guy on the offensive line. Ryan Niblett's a down-the-line guy at wideout, needs a little time. Uh, maybe Derek Williams. I mean, yeah. I, I'm i with the staff in thinking that he might be really, really special, but every, I think everyone's going to have to be patient to our earlier conversation before we actually see it. Bobby, Bobby obviously has checked out on the show because he didn't say Spencer Shannon immediately. No, I, I think people know where I stand. I think he's he's going to be a, a third tight end. Yeah, uh, so he so, might be the guy. But, yeah, but I mean, we I've talked about him. Yeah, right. To be fair, um, I kind of like Will Randall if he can recover his uh, his quickness because I I just think he might he might be just skilled enough to where he's effective. Is he going to be better than Juan Davis though? No, no, not Juan Davis is just not this year. Not this year. Yeah, no, that's no my way. point. I mean. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, got some more. I, I want to thank everybody. Jerry, before we go, though, there's one thing that we did not get to okay. that I kind of messed up on. Um, a number of guys are going to be at other places this year, this this week. Yeah. Uh, there's three guys at, at Bama.
Corian Gibson, uh, Daniel Calhoun, Aaron Hampton. Uh, one of those things that I want to mention here is Corian Gibson gave a couple of interviews where he was all about Clemson. Uh, a lot of people thought that that meant that he was necessarily going to commit to Clemson, change their crystal balls, all this other stuff, RPM picks. Jerry, um, he's still visiting Alabama this weekend, Texas next weekend or weekend after. I can't remember. Yeah. Where is this at uh, in that recruitment? And then I want to talk about where everybody else is going to be this week. Yeah. Yeah. So, look, we talked about this. Dabo gets locks these guys down. Matt Brown style gets them to commit in their recruitment. Sammy Brown, Bryant Wesco. Some of these things have happened and he does a great job building the momentum. And that was kind of what we'd been saying with Corian. If he doesn't shut it down this week and he keeps going throughout the process, Alabama this week and Ohio State the 16th through 18th, Texas the 23rd through 25th, his birthday is that Saturday. So there's going to be a big old Longhorn cake there for him on his birthday. It's going to be a big celebration. Then is he really going to come back from that Texas birthday celebration visit weekend and commit to Clemson? I don't know. Um, I think Dabo probably pushed to get this done now. Um, and with Corian going on in the process, I think that's good for Texas. Does that mean he absolutely ends up at Texas? It doesn't. But if you follow how Dabo's recruited and, and, and the Gibson recruit Gibson recruitment now, you tend to say, okay, that might not be great, as great a news for Clemson as it was thought of coming out of Sunday since he's going on with the process. I want to say this. Three guys again at Bama. Gibson, one of those. Aaron Hampton, the wide receiver out of uh, Carthage slash Dangerfield. Another. Yeah. Daniel Calhoun, the big offensive lineman. It's one of the nation's best. Uh, out of Georgia is going to be at Bama. He visits Texas later this month. Uh, Alex January, the defensive tackle out of Duncanville, will be at LSU. Miami has three guys. That That's Jackson the one I'm Miami. watching. Yep. Yeah. They're, uh, including Jarek Gibson, the big running back uh, yeah. out of uh, the Gainesville area at IMG Academy. Uh, TJ Lindsey, Colin Simmons uh, out of Duncanville will also be at uh, Miami. Michigan has a, a pair. Uh, Ryan Wingo and Jordan Johnson Rubel. Two guys that Texas, the Texas staff are extraordinarily high on. Uh, let's be clear. Ryan Wingo is uh, a elite, elite prospect. Johnson Rubel, somebody Texas really wants as well. Ohio State, uh, two, Dontre Robinson and Jaden Jackson. I got something to, I got something to mention on Jaden Jackson. I actually had somebody hit me today about 1030 and thought headed into this Ohio State visit, which a lot of people think is the favorite for Jaden Jackson. They pegged it as Texas, Miami, then Ohio State. This person thinks Texas is a, is the favorite right now, so he'll and he's at IMG, right? He's at IMG, and he'll visit Miami next week. And now Jane's putting out his official visits week of, so it's not official, but he likely is at Miami next weekend after Ohio State this weekend. Texas twenty third through twenty fifth. Wow, and that's a big defensive tackle that Texas needs. Our uh, Oklahoma, uh, Kobe Black's going to be there, the cornerback. Ole Miss, Melvin Hills, the defensive lineman yeah. out of Lafayette, uh, Oregon. Christian Clark's going to be up there, the running back Texas wants. He's from Phoenix. Uh, A&M has five guys, uh, all of whom Texas fans will know. Uh, Daniel Cruz, the center out of Richland. Dominic McKinley, uh, the defensive lineman out of Lafayette. Zeno Miozulu uh, out of Allen. Uh, Miles Davis, the safety out of Converse Judson. Uh, Blake Ivey, the big lineman down in the southeast part of Houston. And then at Texas Tech, uh, <laughs> Micah Hudson, the wide receiver out of Lake Belton. All right, that's going to do it for today's live stream. Guys, we really appreciate it. It's been fun. Uh, I want to say thank you, special thank you to Michael Williams, Freelance Society, Texas Dirty Boy, Michael Schuler, Tim Salinas, and Aloha Traveler. All of you guys for your super chats. It helps us. Uh, now we're going to go have a cocktail or two, <laughs> I think. 
Uh, it's time to celebrate on a Friday afternoon. Hope you guys have a good and safe week as well. Special thanks also to our sponsor, Andy Ludicky of MyPerfectFranchise.net. For Jerry Hamilton and Ian Boyd of Inside Texas, I'm Bobby Burton. That's been this episode of On Texas Football.